The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Feel it coming in the air. Yeah. And there's screams from everywhere. Yeah. I'm addicted to the thrill. I'm ready. It's a dangerous Stop. love affair. Can't be scared when it goes down. Got a problem, tell me Stop. now. Only thing that's on my mind is to go on this town tonight. Welcome to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Cindy Liska, and a... Party Debra Debris walking in right now. It's raining here, I understand. It's, there's a lot of traffic. It's not raining. Well, you know what? I'm, they don't know that. Um, <laughs> welcome to another Tuesday here on the Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk Radio Show. Cindy, Debra. Uh, Kwame's MIA right now. He, he should be in any minute, I'm sure. I got a text. Uh, a lot of stuff went on this weekend. A lot of stuff since the last time we talked. The NFL had its uh, first weekend. Oh, man. It was a good weekend. Uh, golf, Roy McElroy does it again. We'll talk about that. Steven Strasburg gets shut down for the year. They actually did it unbelievable. Uh, we have a, a, a kind of unfortunate high school story that we're going to touch on mm-hmm. in the uh, the greater Phoenix uh, area. Uh, first off, Cindy, the weekend. Um, yeah, football. College football Saturday, pro football Sunday. Um, my direct TV gave me a free sample of that Sunday ticket, and I did not move from my so couch on Sunday. So I just picture you PAs and Sweats. coffee. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's I would do that too if I had the ticket. That was pretty much it. Deborah, I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> And it is raining up in my neck of the woods big time, See? so trying to get through the dreamy draw was cute with uh, multiple accidents. Luckily, not me involved in any of them. Uh, weekend had uh, Kwame Lasseter's event attended down at uh, First Draft and then uh, had the uh, first fundraiser for Sounds of Autism. So busy weekend and uh, had a great time at both. Yeah, and uh we will definitely be keeping on top of Sounds of Autism. That's something that's going to become somewhat of a big part of this uh, radio show. It's a great well, the, charity. The and, one, uh, the one thing I wanted to announce, too, is that this is uh, Sickle Cell Anemia Awareness Month. So I want to make sure that everybody's aware. Obviously, uh, Kwame's very involved with that. And uh, I want to make sure everybody aware that you know, you've got to really pay attention to what's going on out there, folks, whether you're affected or other people you know are affected. I mean, there's 90 to 100,000 uh, people just here in the United States that are affected by this uh, disease. And though there is no cure, there is a way to manage it and to keep the awareness alive so that we can manage it and know what those options are is huge. So just wanted to make sure everybody's aware of that. Kwame, any comments around that? Yeah, let me get myself together. <laughs> hey, dude, you come late, you got to jump oh, in. I, I had to do it. No, it, no, it, it is important. I'll tell you how important it is just for the entertainment part of it. The Ryan Clark couldn't even play in the Pittsburgh game because of the altitude. Mm-hmm. And a lot of yeah. sickle cell um, uh, patients or families don't know the the what what's the trigger causes. And there's a lot of things that are trigger that. As, you know, simple things of changing weather, changing temperature would do that. Um, not putting the right foods in your um, in your body, but it, it is a very important um, 
uh, diseases, and this month is more magnified now because of September sickle cell month, as Deborah mentioned. But uh, you can go to my web, my um, my foundation page, Kwame Lasseter foundation.org and it will be a lot of information up there and there will be a lot of things that we're doing towards that uh, my foundation mostly caters to health and wellness the sickle cell the uh, childhood obesity and cancer and that's just the health part of it but I do have an educational part of it that we you know we'll reach out more towards doing the show um, but definitely if you have any questions call into the show or call one of us you have all our numbers by now if you've been listening yeah, that's good stuff. I mean, sickle cell and sons of autism seems to be, there's going to be a little joining of forces there, too, which is going to be great. You're going to hear a lot of good stuff from both of those organizations. What about the Cardinals organization? What do you think? I mean, you know, in my opinion, they played fine. Uh, their leading rusher had one carry for 15 yards, so 15 yards was the leading rusher. John Skelton looked great. I thought they moved the ball really well before he got hurt. It was just one of those unfortunate injuries. It's a low ankle sprain, thank God, and not a high ankle right. sprain. So it, it might be a couple weeks as opposed to maybe the season, 8 to 10 weeks. You know, Larry Fitzgerald got targeted 11 times. So at least they're throwing the ball to him. He, I think he caught four passes for 63 yards. Uh, I think they look fine. You know, I, I think that, especially with Seattle's defense, Russell Wilson looked good. Marshawn Lynch, they have a great running game, great defense. I think it was a good win for them, though, even if they were given four timeouts, Seattle was. It was, it was a good win. <laughs> <laughs> hey, was, sometimes was, you need them. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a good win for them, because especially how they finished the game and they ended up winning the game. Most times the Cardinals would lose those games, and it being Seattle, who's always had their number, uh, whether that be at home or away. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one carry, one for 15, I think that was Ryan Williams, who, um, you know, he did fumble early in the game, but... What John Skelton did, he came out and he played well. They moved the ball up and down. Uh, unfortunately, the Arizona Cardinals doesn't have an offensive line. So, I mean, mm-hmm. when you when you get in a situation where you under the rest the whole time, uh, things like that's going to happen. Cause we talked about how much Cobb was running last year. Uh, this guy was running because they can't block anybody. And a lot of guys that they that couldn't block last year that was supposed to be starting this year end up getting hurt in preseason which is another thing we could talk about somewhere down the road. There's really no need for preseason game. College guys don't do it. But Arizona Cardinals moving the ball, targeting Larry Fitzgerald 11 times, and he only getting 63 yards. I know Larry would like to get over that 100-yard mark. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. A win is a win. You take that win and you move on. If the Cardinals can get better and consistently get better uh, from that win and learn something from that when they get in that situation again, they'll be a better team down the road because they finished the season, uh, I think it was 7-9 and nine, uh, at the end of the latter part of the year. And that was all. That was good, but they started so slow. Mm-hmm. This year, the Cardinals starting fast, and they need to continue to finish strong. Absolutely. I mean, and they started with a win last year, which which we can't really forget. Right. Cam Newton almost beat them. But the right. last three years, they've started with a win, and their best record was seven and nine right. out of those three years. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Kevin Cobb six for eight, sixty six yards and a touch. He looked good. You know, I mean, he looked fresh. He looked like he didn't play a lot in the preseason, which he didn't. didn't. Well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's always interesting to see the uh, fickle fans to go from, you know, booing him off a of first play to yeah. cheering him at the end they're of the Carlos game. they fans, too, so oh, yeah, it's different. And, well, I, I shouldn't say Carlos fans. Let me say they're Arizona fans. Uh, I had this conversation last night that you live here, root for the team. I'm right. from Virginia. I can easily root for uh, Washington Redskins. And I never have. <laughs> I was a Dallas Cowboy <laughs> fan until I came here to Arizona, and that switched right away. A lot of things what Dallas did made me not want to be a fan, but Deborah, you're 100 percent right. The fans are so fickle because none of them are from here. Most of them are not from here. Yeah, they're and, transients. And right, yeah. and that's disappointing. Transients. Well, well, they are. They, they move from <laughs> state to state. Right and, yeah. <laughs> I have my home team. I'm from Denver. I rooted for the Broncos. I was the only one at Tukey's the other night rooting for the Broncos in a CS <laughs> oh, yeah, Steeler fan. But. I still will always 
back my home team, no matter what, no matter who, unless they're playing each other, and then I just sit quietly, but... Yeah, you don't you don't wear a San Diego Chargers jersey and go into Oakland and, and start rooting unless you <laughs> unless you know some unless magic you don't tell you unless you're unless like trapped yeah. yeah unless you can disappear at a moment's notice without being seen it's just how they they are fans they're fanatics all anyway but how to be a fan you be educated in being a fan you just don't go to certain places and act crazy uh, yeah. that, like Cindy said she was at the bar I think she's the only Denver fan in a where Pittsburgh was, and I mean, it's good to see because that's a calm atmosphere, and there's no crazies. I don't know, it's alcohol, so and people do get they find courage and they do get crazy. But you should be able to root for your team where there be no nonsense. And next, you know, if you lose or win, say good game, or we get you next time, and let that be what it is. Well, yeah. and that's part of the sport is just enjoying the um, competition between fans and that as well, but make it clean, make it fun. You know? so, so, having said all that, do you think that Arizona has a chance to make a run for the division? Now they already have a they already have a division win. Okay, San Francisco. So that's two wins. Yeah, so San Francisco, uh, I think, uh, overachieved last year. Seattle needs to be San Francisco. I'm not putting so much, uh, you know, stock in. Uh, well, I mean, St. Louis. There's such it's such a weak division yeah. that St. if they can take care of business, I think a main thing is that you need to have your running backs start getting receptions out of the backfield. That's what running backs are now. They are receiving running backs. All of them. All of the high-profile guys are. All the high-profile guys on good teams are. So look, they need to They need to learn how to, Meanie Wells needs to learn how to catch the ball and run out of the backfield. Look at the teams that have a, that have a serious running game. Mm-hmm. What they're doing now is sitting there running back in the backfield. Look at the San Diego Chargers, who's, and they got Ronnie, Ronnie Brown over there. They don't have a running back situation 12 yards, highest rusher last night. Right. They don't have a running game over there, but you have to make an effort to run the ball. But what they do mostly is send that running back mm-hmm. out to the flat. Yeah, like, so, the, like, like the Ray Saints. Rice. Yeah, like well, Ray Rice Ray was Rice. doing it a lot. He's, what, who, he's who I was thinking about. He's a legitimate back guy you can put in the backfield that will, if I want to run the ball, that I can just run isos and isos left and mm-hmm. right. Um, but I, at the same time, when you can get him on the flat, that take pressure off your quarterback and that Baltimore quarterback looked good last night uh, yeah. he looks like Flacco, Flacco he looks like he was uh, coming into it on his own or bought that hype in when he first came here yeah, when no, he first got there to and, Baltimore and he spreads it out that's what was so interesting to, right. like I've got Ray Rice on my fantasy team so obviously I'm like throw it to him throw it to him give it to him but he, he spreads it out to everybody and yeah, he, uh, there's no weakness the on that team guessing. at all sure especially because they just implemented the uh, the hurry up offense so that's that's big you know nobody uh, the Ravens did not score over 40 points all year last year and then they take a top 5 defense and dismantle them I think what went over the top was Ed Reed's pick 6 in the 3rd I believe yeah. but, I have I mean, to read this my favorite Hall, Hall tweet Fame, all night Hall of Fame was, uh, Ed Reed yeah I believe Ed Reed now is fifth on the Bengals all-time reception list was my favorite tweet last night. I think I'll get back to your initial question. Yeah, they have to um, – the, the Cardinals or can they win the division? It, they just beat the Seattle Seahawks, which counts two towards the division, playing in the division opponent in the first game. I think it's great. Uh, but you look at what San Fran is doing. You look what they did last year. Uh, San Fran, another team that's had the Cardinals number. Or they go back and forth. But it almost seems like a rivalry between those two guys, those two teams. Um, they have to play real tough football, real consistent football. They can't turn the ball over. What happened in, uh, with the St. Louis Rams in Denver, I mean, so Detroit is, um, I mean, with the Detroit game, uh, Stafford threw three interceptions. Stafford, mm-hmm. um, he's not playing up to the caliber that you expect this guy to play to. But if you really want to see a good football game, you watch the last two minutes of that football game, that Detroit-Seattle-Detroit-St. Louis game, that's when he became the quarterback that you expect him to play throughout the whole game, throughout the whole year. like, uh, But the Cardinals have to solidify some consistency. Uh, they did pull off a good win. I think they 
there's a chance. They're in a division where you can almost see just one dominant team, and that may be San Francisco, but you have to find a way to beat San Francisco at least once. Don't lose games at right. home. Right. Win half I'm on the road, right. you, you, you'll be fine. Absolutely. And I, I think it's it's interesting that once the season starts, quarterback controversy, quote-unquote, doesn't matter. As long as wins are happening, as wins are happening, nobody cares what happens. Nobody cares who's throwing the ball, who's catching the ball. As long as wins uh, are tallied, they're fine. And both those quarterbacks look great, I thought. I mean, when they played, they're 6 for 8 for 66 six yards and a touchdown, one drive, boom. Uh, Skelton, John Skelton, you're talking about, right? Well, and, I'm talking about Cobb. Kevin Cobb. Yeah. yeah. Well, Skelton looked good, but it was good to see Kevin Cobb come in. When we, we joked Without about it. having he, the reps. Right. He yeah. had not played, but some guys, uh, some guys mentally feel comfortable coming mm-hmm. off the bench. And he looks good coming off the bench. That's all he's ever done. Yeah, his whole career. Well, yeah, that's, that's all he's yeah. ever done anyway. <laughs> but he looks good coming off saying there's no pressure on him. See, guys come in, there's certain situations and there's different, and there's different situations where whether I'm here to win it, if, it, if I lose it, I didn't lose it. But I was here to be the savior. So, and that's Kevin Cobb. And I think he, it's good for the Arizona Cardinals that they have a quarterback can come in under that situation and win a game. Now he's going to be the starter for a while, so we'll see what's up. Well, and that's what's interesting is when that's your natural pattern is to be the savior. You know, then that's how you, uh, you know, how you know that you play well and how you're conditioned to play well. So it will be interesting to see what happens when he's got the pressure all game, all game long. Yeah, I mean, if you're the savior, that's where the most pressure is. So why can't you do that the whole well, game? Well, you don't have to worry yeah, about losing. It's a, it's a whole different mindset. I don't have to worry about so losing. So you're, you're an underdog all the time, so you don't have to worry if you lose. It's not your fault. That's honestly some some guys' mentality. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's. That's, that's yeah. interesting. And some guys play better under that type of pressure. I mean, there is pressure in the game, obviously, because you're the quarterback, you know, and every player out there is feeling the pressure of the game. But it's a different, unique type of pressure when you're the one coming in to close it out. And it's some some of those guys are defensive backs, corners, uh, with, if, maybe some safeties, but. You know, if I got a 20-point lead, I'm in the fourth quarter, I give up touchdowns, it's not going to bother me. Mm-hmm. But if I got a, I'm down 20-point leads and I'm trying to make a comeback and I give up a touchdown, that bothers me. Yeah, and there's that's a different swag coming in. Uh, Patrick Peterson looked really good. Yeah. He did. He's ready to do some things. So, I mean, that was an incredible pick. I hope Michael Floyd pans out. But, I mean, I thought they should have gone O-line. But they, they, they need to do something. I understand that. <laughs> I understand. But yeah, especially yeah. because Notre Dame has never put out in, in recent history besides Rock, Well, yeah, I mean, Rocket Ishmael was, is was the last most one. touted. And, yeah, but he didn't do anything in the NFL well, anyways. Well, uh, Tate, Golden Tate, he's playing well, isn't he? Yeah, Seattle. Uh, who? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. not. It's not. I mean, <laughs> uh, Ryan Grant came in undrafted. Uh, Brady Quinn. Give me a break. Uh, yeah. we got to take a break. We're going to come back talk about a little Peyton Manning, RG3, Andrew Luck, over and over and over. We'll be back. Call me last for Sports Talk. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Sports have become a big part of everyone's lives today. We all have that team that we live and breathe to follow. We watch hours of football on TV, play Madden sports on our gaming system, and our wives can't seem to tear us from the couch. If this sounds like you, or if you're a football wife who wants a few words, we want to hear from you. Listen for Life, Love, and Sports, featuring your host, Ron Dixon. Ron takes you inside the world of sports and finds out what you, the fan, are talking about today. Listen Wednesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Sports. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia college sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. 
Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. We're talking NFL football. We just touched on the Arizona Cardinals. I want to move quickly to Peyton Manning. This guy makes a lot of money. He's in a new new team, new system. But is it really a new system? Is it really just Peyton Manning having five plays that he just calls at the line? He had 19 for 26, 253, two touchdowns. He is Peyton Manning in a different uniform. Yes. A year off, you, this is your first game in over 12 months, and that's, that's what you do. That's unbelievable to me. I was tempted to say that Peyton Manning didn't do anything special because he's been doing this a long time. Peyton Manning spoils everybody. He spoils yeah. fans. Um, and, and I want to say he didn't do anything special. But what he did was outsmart the Pittsburgh Steelers coaching staff. Yep. And it's not a new system, you're right. Um, it, it's more Peyton Manning bringing some of the things he liked best that he did in Indianapolis. And you can see those plays. It's just he has new players around him. He's going to make those guys household names as long as he's that quarterback mm-hmm. of the team. And, and and the money he made, I think from the time he came into the league, he deserved every penny. Yeah. Because he, he did things... Look what Indianapolis was before he got there. And then it took time, and he built. And every year he built, because he threw interceptions after intercept, interceptions, uh, became Peyton Manning now, superstar Peyton Manning, uh, Hall of Fame Peyton Manning. I think uh, what he did was special to me was coming out for a year off, coming back into the game a year off, year and a half, four neck procedures. Uh, arm strength was there, accuracy just as if he's left or just if he was yeah. in Indianapolis. Uh, the guy outsmarted thing. That was the most special thing to me that I've always thought he was so cerebral when, when he's on a football um, field. But he just outsmarted the whole Pittsburgh staff. And I just looked at that, and they had no – they had no. even if Ryan Clark could have played, they had no answer for what yeah. Peyton Manning was doing. And yeah. the thing is he keeps elevating the game as well as the position. So, you know, the game keeps going up. Everybody wants to watch him. You know, it's a great thing for the sport, but also elevating the position. When you've got a guy like that who can come back from, like you say, the injuries and such that he's had and be able to go back and play as he's always played and the way he's always played and continue to show that, you know, the smarts, the wisdoms, the ability to make decisions in the moment, um, that's huge. It's so crazy. I mean, and there's no fear. Yeah. And there's yeah. no fear in his eyes whatsoever. It's like, mm-hmm. and let, let's, let's be said that four neck surgeries, we don't know how extensive they are. You know, so you still got to go on my neck. I know, oh, I know, oh, I understand that, right. and I'm not, I'm not diminishing. But one could be a little arthroscopic. One could be like, who knows? But four mm-hmm. neck surgeries, regardless, he has no fear. See, my thing is, anytime you go into the body, you you, you change everything about. And, I, and I have no experience, you, uh, so I have no idea. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, the, the guy, you know, Peyton Manning, what he did, uh, it just didn't look like a neck situation bothering. We, I like to see when it gets real cold how that affects because right. he has been. Uh, in that surgery, he has been uh, repaired neck situation, and then that stuff tightens up. So, like, if you guys who have knee injuries, they know when things about to change because their knees start to bother them. Uh, but Peyton Manning, uh, what that guy does out there on the football field, and, and remember, look at their schedule. I thought Pittsburgh would win this game on the road. The Denver Broncos had a tough schedule because they was eight and eight and end up ten and eight, and they went to a playoff. Uh, so they have a, a difficult schedule. 
look at uh, this is what Tebow put upon put upon Denver by winning some games with that defense <laughs> they have. Um, sure, keep blaming Tebow. <laughs> Tebow, I, 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 never, yeah, I really know. I don't have a problem with Tebow. It's just when people keep making him a quarterback. But Tebow is a gamer. I would love to have that guy on my team. Mm-hmm. He can play football. He's competitive. That's what I like about Tim Tebow. As far as quarterback, I'd rather get my I get my brother off the street to quarterback my team. Yeah, really. All right, let's move a uh, good segue into the Jets. Jets 48-28 over the Bills. This was a laugher. I mean, I, they didn't they didn't score a touchdown for the first three games in the preseason. The Jets, that is, and Mark Sanchez comes out and looks like I mean something like he has something to prove. Like he wants to take back New York. Like people have looked at him ever since. Ever since the AFC Championship game, as as a failure, as somebody that cannot lead a team to a Super Bowl, he looked really good against a pretty good defense with yeah. Buffalo. Well, and again, good for him. You either got to step up or step off. And you know, if he's stepping up for the game and and making plays and looking good, you know, I'm proud. Good for him. Yeah, Especially, yeah. And, and it is New York, but he's never going to take New York back as long as Eli Manning is there and has two <laughs> Super Bowl rings. Yeah. Uh, you can always be that, uh, you know, you get that that step brother sort of uh, step son or whatever um, to to the Giants because when you think about New York nobody thinks about the Jets the Jets right. is the uh, the Jets is more of the blue collar team that's in that mm-hmm. area uh, that's going to come out and put in some work and it's good to see what they did having not put in any points on board as far as getting into the end zone during preseason and they come out and put up what 48, 48 points, points. And, and then Rex Ryan saying this is the best football team he's had since he's been there that puts a lot of pressure on him now as a coach because yeah. he's he's brass and he likes to talk a lot. He's that's, an idiot. That's fine. I'm I mean, sorry, I can't. It's the whole that, it's the whole family like that. Buddy Ryan talked a lot, but yeah. Buddy Ryan made sure. Buddy Ryan's problem was he didn't put any interest in the offense. So it was all defense, defense. We don't need the offense. Just don't turn the ball over so much. Um, and the defense will win football games. And that has always been Buddy Ryan's motto. Yeah, I mean, but you got to look at the Jets. Uh, also, they gave up 169 yards to C.J. Spiller, second year back out of Clemson, I believe. They look good. Uh, Sean Green, 94 yards and a touch. I mean, the, their defense really held it down, except for except. I think C.J. Spiller had two huge had he two had huge rushes. Yeah. Yeah. Touchdown but still, rush. against the, the the teams that the Ryan's, the the great defenses, Baltimore, uh, Pittsburgh, they don't want any running back over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you do that, they have work to do. It's Even almost if, unheard of a few right. years ago. That, right. That's what you pride yourself on is yeah. the, is stopping the running game and it's, win, lose, or draw. If I got 100 yards, I think you know we kind of won that game. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting to see that all of these defensive teams now have become more offensive minded. Like I, I see it as the San Antonio Spurs last year. They have always been an 89, 90 point team. Then they end up scoring 100 points a game. It, it's more of a running gun type of uh, type of style, and that's what the NFL is starting to become. Defense is kind of becoming a lost art. Get only giving up 10 or 12 points. A game. I mean, look at Baltimore. Baltimore runs a no huddle offense, and and I mean the Jets are putting up points. Pittsburgh's putting up points. They did last year. Ben Roethlisberger had a huge year last year. It's just interesting to see the progression of the sport of, of football. And as a defensive guy, what do you think? I mean, like you can you can see the change. You're seeing the progression that people are putting up a lot of points, even defensive minded teams. Right. You know that. Every um, offensive coaches, minded coaches, they catch up to defense. So now it's up to the defenses. Defense play fast because offensively you have to scheme. There's a lot of schematics in and running certain plays. Um, the only thing, only difference in that in defense is that the blitzes. It's just timing because on defense we just read and react to certain things and we make it happen. That's why a lot of teams you hear a lot of uh, commentating, a lot of uh, you know you read a lot of things that. This offense, and I'm talking about one team in general, this offense hasn't caught up to th- their defense, their own defense. So when you go to camp, 
I like to go against Wands against Wands a lot because that is the better defense. You can go against the second team, and the, when the second team is in, it's mostly scripted. So quarterback knows what's going to be open. I like you to you know read and react yourself on offense. That way you get better. That way that stuff sticks with you, and it's a, it becomes deja vu when you're in a, when you're in a game, a football game, and you don't have to do a whole lot of thinking. You just read and react to it. Yeah, yeah to be instinctual, you've got to always push yourself to that next limit and. Uh, you know, I agree. Practice with the ones, not the twos, because that's what's going to push you over the top and make you more creative when it comes time for game day. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think another thing that has to do with it is all these quarterbacks that now, I mean, even Andy Dalton in that game was, was clapping his hands, was calling, I mean, they're all calling audibles at the line now. Yeah. Like, that's almost a prerequisite to be able to be a, a prolific uh, quarterback in the NFL. You have to be able to outsmart the defense on your own before the ball is snapped. That, that's, um, that is a great honor uh, and, and a compliment to that quarterback that he's smart enough to go up to the line and do that. And go up to the line and do it against a, a for the past 10 years, we've said Baltimore Ravens had the better defense. Mm-hmm. We arguably said it was against the Baltimore Ravens, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, and you know the Jets and those type of teams. But to go up to the line and make a um, audible, to do audible, and, and that play works, that's a confidence that the coach has in the quarterback. Especially as a second-year kid. Right. And, and well, he came out and we saw that you know he was a – he was different. He yeah, was smart because absolutely. you know when they all when Palmer was there, they had a situation there. He came in and under certain situation where I'm not gonna be the quarterback. Probably came in thinking I'm gonna take Palmer's job, but you know he came in and made it happen. He and AJ Green out there and they put up great numbers. Yeah, that was great last year. Uh, we got to move on. Redskins RG three. Wow, uh, nineteen of twenty six, three hundred twenty yards, two touchdowns. Started ten of eleven with a touchdown to Pierre Garcon, a long one. I mean. You gotta be kidding me! Welcome to the NFL. Talking right? about talking about confidence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is Cam Newton, part two, about six inches shorter. Right. So I mean, I believe so. I think he's like six three, right? And Cam Newton six six. Oh no, shorter. he's probably about six two at the most. Yeah. yeah. Well, listed at. Yeah. I mean, he just looked so so fluid in in the in the backfield, uh, elusive. You know, I mean, granted, his early passes were all screen passes to get him, which is so smart by Mike Shannon. Such a such a smart start. And then uh, you have. You have uh, the rookie running back, Alfred Morris, 96 yards, two touchdowns, which always makes it easy on the quarterback if you have a good run game. I'm but, shocked. Well, that's the thing. They're building confidence in him, you know, letting him out there, giving him plays that will work, and letting him run him. And, and he, man, he looked great. Yeah. And, and it looked like RG3 um, just said to himself that, you know, I'm going to take my bumps and bruises, and I'm playing mm-hmm. against the New Orleans Saints, who has a pretty good team, who has a consistent team. I'm playing against these teams. I'm going to take my lumps, um, but I'm going to keep playing football. This guy, I don't think he had any lumps in this game. Um, I watched him play at uh, Baylor. I watched him um, work out at uh, Athletes Performance, where I work, work, work out defensive backs. And you can just hear, you know how you put grease in a pan, and you just mm-hmm. hear the ball sizzling through the air when he throws. This guy is, um, he, he's everything that the Washington Redskins saw him, because they did, they did a lot to pick him up. They gave a lot of first-round, uh-huh. future, future first-round picks to pick him up, and some draft picks later on. Um, he, and then this spread offense, not spread, but this stretch offense that they run, mostly with two tight ends or if they have to back out and they flex them to the other side, same same offense, different personnel. Um, he fits well into it. That what made John Elway pretty good, and his arm is just as strong as John Elway, and that's a compliment. And I say the same thing about Andrew Luck. His arm is just as strong. These guys have strong arms. They just need time. Elway comes in. He needed that time. Give them that time. But we want it so fast right now because of what Cam Newton and old Andy Dalton and those guys did coming in right out of college. Yeah, it, it's 
I, I mean, I'm speechless. He, he just, yeah, I, mean, he just I, I, I mean, it's just he, he just looked like he, he belongs looked, in the NFL. His yeah. and, and eyes and he's, yeah. yeah. And I'm taking. I'm gonna. You know, I don't like to apologize to you, but I'm gonna apologize by saying. <laughs> remember, we talked about RG3. How I thought he shouldn't have won the Heisman because he came on late. We I talked about this last every, time. Every week. Go ahead. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm Usually gonna with say, a cigarette in his hand. I'm gonna. Yeah. Say, <laughs> I'm, gonna <laughs> I'm gonna say I was wrong. Oh. Not because of what? Are you wrong? Are you wrong? I'm, not, I'm not saying you were right. I'm no. saying I was wrong. Okay, that's fine. But I know you're uh, crazy. <laughs> Are you saying this because of the performance Andrew Luck had, as as to what RG3, Robert Griffin III no, had? Because one week's not one week's not going to show. Yeah, everything. because Andrew Luck's going to be okay. I, just, I think he's going to be oh, fine. Absolutely. I mean, he threw for 309 yards in his own right. He, but he has, he's going to have to throw the ball but more see, all the go, time because. I, they, they're run first a lot in Washington, so it's going to yeah. be easy. Well, they to used be. to be. I think you should. They used be. to be. I don't know if I don't know what he's going to do now. He has to stay run first because that guy's going to always. If you don't set, if you don't stay run first in Washington, you're going to mess the whole season up. You're going to mess this team up because RG3 can throw the ball and he can run it. So if you have that stretch play, you get it off. They got like running back by committee over there. Hand the ball off. Now you can boot. Now I got an option to run. Day. I got an option to run a pass, yeah. but I give the Heisman to the guy who had the best year that year, not a not over three over to career. four years, because yeah. that's not what it's for. That's but fair. a lot of guys get the Heisman for that. That's fair. If that's the case, the guy when who uh, Ingram wouldn't have got it two years ago Ugh. or three years ago, he wouldn't have got it three years ago because he only had one. I mean, he was consistent in Alabama, but that one year he went off, played hurt, still went off. That year he deserved the Heisman. And, and I don't think anybody at Alabama ever had the Heisman before he did. I do quickly want to move. The Eagles barely squeaked by the Browns, 17-16. Michael, Michael Vick. Vick's out of his mind. I'm tired of Michael Vick, and he's from my home. He, he threw the ball 56 times. He's not a passer. He's not a he's <laughs> you know, not, which is yeah, funny. He's, he's a, a thrower. He's yeah, not a passer. Yeah, it's not, he's, he, he will never be able to pick apart a defense. He's That's never been him. He is six feet with high heels on. He's, 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 uh, he's, a, glass, he's a glass statue back there. He gets hurt whenever he gets touched. You need to rely on LaShawn McCoy more. I can't. 20 carries, you need to rely. He needs to touch the ball 35 times a game. I don't know what Andrew Reid's problem I don't know what Andrew Reed problem was. LaShawn Moore should have the ball 36 times a, a game. Michael Vick should not be throwing 52 times a game. He's not that type of quarterback anymore. I mean, right. if Michael Vick throw the ball 28 times, okay, I say that's more than enough. But you should, because of the talents he have, able to scramble. But he's too fragile to me at this point in his career, which is, I believe, a lot of quarterbacks are. A yeah. lot of quarterbacks are too fragile for me. So as soon as they get touched, they're done. Yeah. What's uh, the thing? And he got hit what nineteen times? Yeah. You know, yeah. four turnovers. I mean, he's he's never going to last. And, but I mean, three of those picks were I wouldn't have thrown those balls. I would I would have gone down to the ground instead of throwing that. He's ball. throwing in tri- into the triple coverage. Yeah, across yeah. his body. It's just not. You're a veteran quarterback. He's trying he be too hard yeah. to come back rather than going with the flow they did of what he knows. You got to go to break. But yeah. they did make a statement. Uh, we gonna have this season dedicated to Andy Reid because he's a son and everything. Oh man, yeah. Yeah, you still got to play with. Mm. Sense. Absolutely. Uh, take a break. We're going to come back, talk a little golf on the other side of the break. Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. We'll be back in 94 seconds. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday 
at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fan's perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice American Network and let's talk football. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They need a bitch's ass and then move on. I just, I just think that the coach made a mistake. All crazy. <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. Now, some of you might still be in that place. If you're trying to get out, I'm talking. Just follow me. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Francis, Kwame Lasseter, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in studio. We were talking football. Michael Vick, you know, uh, lacking wisdom, I guess you might say. Uh, they they win 17-16. LaShawn McCoy, 110 yards rushing. Uh, if, if any team needs a second back, I think it's Philadelphia. I think you need another strong running back there to take some of the some of the pressure off of Michael Vick. You can run the ball 50 times in this league and throw dumb down passes 50 times in this league if if you do it correctly with the right scheme, especially with the right quarterback that, that that's so elusive that they could break down any play and and uh, and improv anything to get yardage. So I think I, they need another back. I think Michael Vick put that pressure on himself. Uh, I think Andy Reid, you know, you got LaShawn. He was the he's one of the top three. Running backs in the game last year, and you throw the ball 52 times with a guy who's going to get hurt with an offensive line that's suspect anyway. Hand the ball off this guy, and we talked earlier in the show that, you know, what you can do with LaShawn McCoy is you hand the ball off to him, and everybody knows he's good, he can make the first guy miss. Then you can, you know, with that fake handoff, then you go put, put him in the flat and throw the ball to him. Yeah. He's but a receiver also. Yeah, he's playing scared. Yeah. I mean, you look at what's going on with him. He is everything is he's trying. He's trying. He's trying. That's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. If you you know, on game day you're supposed to be out there and be instinctual, do what you do best, and do it over and over again for the level of consistency. And he's just pushing too hard. Sure. I mean, but if he weighed 50 more pounds of muscle, I think his his instincts are to run. His instincts are to just make plays happen, improvise. Well, that's what's been successful in the past Yeah, for but him. then he gets hurt. I mean, he, so it works great. He puts up incredible numbers for two weeks, and then he's out for six weeks. Well, I didn't say it was right. I yeah. just said that's <laughs> well, what's been. Well, that, I mean, that's, that's a double-edged sword. Don't get me wrong on that. <laughs> that's a double-edged sword you get with Michael Vick. The, the last one I want to talk about is, uh, we're going to talk about golf in the last segment, uh, the the Atlanta Falcons. You have these younger quarterbacks now that are coming up. Joe Flacco, Matt Ryan had a hell of a day. They're letting, they're giving the keys to their quarterbacks like they, like Peyton Manning got, like Tom Brady got when it was time, like Philip Rivers got when it was time, Drew Brees. These new guys, the, these younger guys are coming in there and they're getting the reins and they're throwing the ball all over the place and, and they're, they're flourishing. I, I mean, only through one week, but still. Yeah, but they, they putting weapons around these guys. Now look what the Atlanta Falcons have done since, uh, Matt Ryan. Th- Matt Ryan had a great first year. He had a great first year. Then he took a step back. I think he had, uh, plantar fasciitis or, and then, uh, I, and I was wondering why, you know, most guys can play with it. No, I'm sorry. He had a turf toe his That's second what I year. Thought, yeah. He had a turf toe. 
defensive backs play with turf toes all the time. You put that steel plate on, in your shoe so the turtle doesn't bend. He's a quarterback, and I, and I thought he took a step back his second year. But then you look with Atlanta. Of course, I'm giving these guys the keys. These first-round guys, these they are quality guys. But you have to play with some type of pain. You have to play with some type of injuries. I'm not saying put your life in at danger or your body at risk. Uh, but some of these things are looked at by your own teammates. This guy can't play with a turf toe. I'm a defensive back. I play with one all year. Uh, you have to come out here and drop back, throw the ball, hand the ball off. They had um, Turner back there as a as a running back. He solidified. He took pressure off this guy. But, you know, I, yeah, I will give the keys to this guy. Some some guys take longer than others. Some guys take a step back and they got to rebuild again. Mm-hmm. And Matt Ryan was one of those guys because I thought always thought he was a quality guy, quarterback. Absolutely. And, again, this goes back to the offensive-mindedness of the NFL coming up. You're not grinding the ball anymore. Michael Turner's not going to touch the ball 25 times a game anymore. Good he, for him. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, he ran the ball 11 times yesterday. So Matt Ryan now has Julio Jones. They traded the house for Julio Jones to move up yeah. a couple years ago. That was huge. Roddy White, Tony Gonzalez. They have a stacked offense now coming out of nowhere. I, Harry Douglas, they have they have a lot of deep ball threats. Down and dirty with Debra. Go. Down and dirty with Debra. <laughs> it's like a race car driver wow. here, too. Just like. It is race week. Race week. Exactly. Yeah, start your engine. You've got a lot to do. Uh, so we're going to talk about how to get greater success and up-level your performance simply by applying the formula for wisdom. Because all the time I see players, players that I'm talking to, players that uh, are around in all the different sports, who think that just being smart is enough. And the reality is, if you want to get to the higher levels, you've got to play with wisdom. You've got to have the power of knowing at a deeper level what it's going to take to play your position. So the first part of the formula in order to get to wisdom is knowledge. But knowledge is just, it's good table talk. It's information you could look up on Google, you could get from your coaches, you can get from mentors. It's necessary, but it's not enough. When you look at adding the level, the second part of the formula, which is experience, now you're taking that knowledge and you're putting it into some type of action. You're actually going to experience it, which means when you experience the knowledge put into action, now you start to have emotion and you start to have memory, good or bad, but you start to have the memory that goes with it. Most players stop there. They learn a lot. They take the experience of going out and playing their sport, whatever their sport might be. Some win, some lose. They make adjustments. They go back and they do it again. And the problem is they have, like we've been talking, is some of those repeated mistakes over and over again. They might be doing it slightly differently, but they're still making very similar mistakes. So the third part of the formula, and this is the part that most people miss, is that all-important element of knowing how to have insight. When you have knowledge plus experience and now you have the insight, now you have a greater level of wisdom. This takes a player, whether it's a good player, and moves him to the level of GOAT, you know, one of the greatest of all times. It's having that knowledge and being able to really observe and examine your thoughts, your experience, your feelings, your beliefs, the knowledge, putting it all together, going to a deeper level and saying, and what does all this mean to me? specifically and exactly what does it mean to me, what adjustments am I going to make internally, externally, how am I going to put it all together? Because when you can make that one minor adjustment and you make it through the level of wisdom, the upgrades can be huge. It'd be like taking a golf stroke and you change the trajectory of the ball just slightly. I mean, it can change where that ball's going to end up in a massive amount. When we look at the applying wisdom to your sport, those tiny little adjustments that you make, and you make them with wisdom, can make a great deal 
um, of upgrade in your performance. So the players that I work with, we all work with the idea of knowing and understanding how to ask the right questions in order to get to the point of wisdom so you can take your knowledge plus your experience plus the insight and gain the wisdom to do what you do even better than you've done in the past. See, that's why I think you, um, that's what, what, with that being said, I think you have a lot of deja vu. I think you, you take that knowledge, um, um, add it to the experience. And that's experience to me. Uh, one of the things is, is that you go through, uh, certain things in your life, like the, the practice, um, the situations like we talked earlier about the Cardinals in that fourth quarter making a stance, having those situations, you go through all that stuff, and then now it just becomes second nature to you, mm-hmm. um, cause you have, you have the knowledge to do it, you rep it out, uh, you don't have to think about it. You've been in that situation. Now you got some experience on it. You have something to fall back onto it, and then the insight to make a play and knowing what the team trying to do to you. Yeah, absolutely. And I look at somebody like uh, Larry Fitzgerald too, who's always, always as great as he is. He's always looking for more mm-hmm. and more knowledge, yeah. insight, wisdom from anybody he can get it from, and then he takes it in and adjusts it to how it fits to him and his game and his life. This guy has. Uh, he makes some of the best adjustments to a football that I've seen in a while. Uh, one of the guys that I really, really do not like, Chris Carter, probably the, the best, if not Larry Fisher. Mm-hmm. I mean, they make so many adjustments, like in the air, in the air. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of guys won't do that because they don't have great balance. They don't know mm-hmm. how they'll come down. See, one of the things you do work on, and, and along the lines with Deborah was saying, on off season, you work on this stuff. You expect to make certain plays, and, and, and that when it happens, it's not a big shock to you. So you don't come mm-hmm. down, you don't twist your ankle, you don't twist the knee or something like that. You've been making this play in your head forever. And a lot of times in, in your in your Dun and Dirty with Deborah segments, it, there's some sort of unconscious component. This is all conscious. This is all you you need. Well, you have you you have the experience, obviously conscious insight, asking questions, synthesizing all the information that you know, conscious. So this is all, there's no unconscious really here. I mean, maybe that might build on it later on, but this is all stuff that you willingly and, and knowingly are doing. Right, because the problem is too often with all of us, about 92 to 98% of the time we're unconscious already anyway. I mean, we really are. We really are doing things from automatic patterns, whether we, whether we know it or not. When you can consciously make some choices and then use your subconscious or unconscious mind in order to make them instinctual so you can implement them in the creative moments like Kwame was talking about when you're in the air and you're making adjustments is because you've done it so many times before that on a con- you've consciously made the choice to do it at an unconscious level. Yeah. You get that one. Yeah. Um, Carry the two. So that, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that it, uh, it, it just works. I mean, you become creative in the moment. Yeah, I meant subconscious, not unconscious. But there's a saying. Subconscious is under the level, which is, you know, there's a level of unconsciousness there. I got you, dude. Wow. We all know. That's a lot. Yeah. That was good. Thank you. You can get all this information. Yeah. Yourclearedge.com. Deborah at yourclearedge.com is email office 480-212-1909. Let's move to golf. Talking about everything. Talking about everything we just talked about. Four. Well, yeah, Rory McIlroy. Everybody needs to get into the uh, golf arena. And this is what, yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, this is right. something that I've you... I've got championship teams already. So they, uh, well, 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 yeah, because most of those guys, well, I won't say most of them, one of those guys might go pro, so... Right, exactly. So. And hopefully hopefully they do. So hopefully they'll be uh, challenging Rory McIlroy one day. <laughs> exactly. He's Rory. Won, won three out of four. He's a different breed. Uh, yep. The crazy stat that I, that I read... The first back-to-back winner of tournaments since Tiger in 2009. Wow. Which is, I mean, unfathomable to me. 
And that's uh, he, he shoots in the 60s like it's his job now. I think that Rory's big thing is when there's no pressure on him, he does fine. Right. So he could finish. He could have finished 69th in the. Or he, I mean, he could have finished last in this tournament, and still made the cup. So and still made the top 30. So I think it's easy now. This is going to be the real deal, Holyfield. When you have the top five guys, anybody can win in the Tour Championship. Anybody can win the FedEx Cup if you win. We'll see what happens. We'll see if Tiger can come out. We'll see if if Lee Westwood falls back. Who? If Phil Mickelson comes oh. up. <laughs> if Phil Mickelson comes up, you know it. It's all the the cream of the crop up top, which is everything you want in a, in, in a in a playoff. Yeah, what Roy is doing, I thought, you know, when he and Tiger played together for those two days, I thought these guys uh, genuinely uh, enjoyed playing with one another. They fed off uh, one another in those tournaments. Uh, but then that next day, Rory was on the leaderboard. Tiger wasn't. He was in uh, the final group, I should say. Mm-hmm. Tiger was on the leaderboard. But Rory was in that final group, and it just seemed like he took a, a step back. And today, Rory's step back is probably a 66 or 67 <laughs> or 68. Um, and then he came back that next day and then ended up winning it. Yeah. Ended yeah. up winning it. And and I look at, you know, the things Tiger. I think Rory just has evolved as a player as far as that <clears> – <throat> I'm going to go out here and I'm going to shoot a good number. And if I don't shoot a good number, I'm going to bounce back. He's always bounced back. And you, you put a stat up earlier. You mentioned a stat that he's the first back-to-back winner since Tiger Wood in so many years. And, and that's what so many – and it's tough to do because there's a lot of great players out there. Uh, you're in the top 20. You can win back-to-back um, uh, week-to-week. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. Cause so the competitiveness out there and it, it, these guys are somewhat equal. They all do something great. To me, To me, Tiger is a – and this is arguably Tiger is just a real good player now, a real good player who knows the game, and he's changing his game. And I just, as a fan of Tiger, I just want to, you know, hurry him change the game. I hate it's, to it's see like him. You just want to go shake him. I just, yeah. I just, I just I hurry him change the game. over it. Because no, I, I, I still watch golf because I love golf, but I still watch golf mostly because I want to see Tiger play. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I hate to see him beat himself, you know. And this is this is kind of uh, ringing true with what you're saying. It, I want him to get beat. I want him to put up 20 under and have Rory come in and make a putt on 18 to beat him. Me too. I don't want, I don't want him to blow up, shoot a 74 on Sunday, and yeah, make which, it is, a game. which has become, yeah. become run-of-the-mill in the past mm-hmm. couple months. Where I, he puts up 72, 74 on the weekend, and, and well, he's out of contention. Part of what Rory's starting to do, too, now, is he's learning, how, he's learning that quick recovery. Yeah. You know, when he has a bad really? shot, he's learning how to recover quickly, and that's one of the things my guys learn right off the bat is, you know, you've got to play moment-to-moment, shot-to-shot, period. If you have a bad shot, you get back in your rhythm, you've got to know what your rhythm is. You know, you got to know how to recreate that rhythm. You've got to get past the thoughts that you just had and get to the thoughts that are going to make you good. So to be able to have that quick recovery and go to your ball that may be, you know, in the rough someplace and ask yourself instead of, like, cussing yourself out for having a bad shot, you ask yourself, what am I going to do right now to prove my to myself and everybody else out here that I'm as great as I really am? Yeah. And then no. make those decisions. And I was noticing the other day when I was watching, too, a lot of guys, you can tell the shot they had, their previous shot by the look on their face at the current shot and Rory was one of the guys where I didn't know where he had hit the ball previously because his face looked exactly the same when he'd step up to the the ball no matter what he did (laughs) who would have thought that blowing up at your first uh, major contention first contention when you're in a major could be the best thing that could have happened right and that was good for it was good for him to um that master and I felt and bad. He blew for up bad. You see how he looked. You don't put up an eighty on a Sunday in a major when you're leading. When you're leading for three days, and then he put <laughs> it. I know it was real bad, not just a score, but he put his head down on his golf club, and I'm just like, he he's had enough. Yeah. Uh, well, you know what? Happy belated to our Arnold Palmer, by the way. He was eighty three. Was <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. We got to take a break. Come back, Kwame Lasseter, Sports Talk. We'll be back in about eighty three seconds this time. <laughs> 
your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine, from the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week. Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Welcome back to Kwame Lasseter Sports Talk. Alex Clancy, Kwame Lasseter, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska in the studio. This should be my sexy voice second. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm thinking about now, real. No, we'll you're overtaken by a younger, sexier voice. We Mom, haven't Mom, done Mom, the I'm sexy voice in a long time. Yeah, because yeah. my voice is... Got to smooth it in. Enough. <laughs> Enough. Uh, we, we, we do. <laughs> I digress. We do, we do need to talk about Arizona State football 2 and 0. Oh. Wow. I think they really, Who is they Taylor really, Kelly? They really want to know. That NAU game was a You know what? Yeah, that was a scrimmage. Yeah, so was a practice so game. What? Scrimmage. Yeah, that so was a scrimmage. So what? BCS. So what? Not gonna, that, that game is not going to count towards the BCS, I promise you. But that was a great win, uh, as you was about to mention, Alex. Against Illinois, I went yeah. to that game and I'm like, I like their uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> I like Arizona State uniforms. They, 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 they're For NFL uniforms. player looks yeah. at uniforms instead of watching. I do because I like Penn State's. Cause Penn be State's so they, the uniforms were so plain. Penn State's were, and I said I like that. Oh, uh, but you no, know, Arizona, Arizona State. Since we're here in the state and we root for our home teams, they played well. They played like they dominated the game from start to finish. And I, I looked at what they was doing um, with that offense. The quarterback just this is a freshman. Yeah. This guy had commanded his offense, and, and, and they ran plays to um, most of them to perfection. And, and you could tell uh, Illinois came in with a lot of hype because they was thinking. It looked like they was thinking, as I sat in the stands and watched them, that, oh, same old Arizona State. We're going to run through them. We'll beat them up. We'll get up on the league. They never got up. Arizona State pounded these guys, offensively well, and defense. And high five to the new coaching staff and all that, too, because, I mean, they've come in and they've really taken what could have been a really bad situation and turned it around, especially with all the fans and supporters and everybody else who was uh, really upset over the last few years mm-hmm. uh, to bring this team around and get them focused and back out on the field. You know, good for well, them. They had an old man as the head coach, and I'm not. you can't go in the living room and recruit. This guy cannot relate mm-hmm. to your players. He can't mm-hmm. recruit. Um, you have to have. I'm not saying that he can't coach because in his time he was one of the best coaches. Right, right. He, this guy has a uh, championship, uh, but you got to be able to rally the team. Right, you got to be. You mean you come sit in my living room? Get out of my room. Yeah, thank you for. <laughs> you should have sent one of your assistants. Yeah, you should have sent one of your assistants, and maybe I will think about it. And then I need to know a whole lot if my kids going to your school. Uh, what's there? What's not there? You can't explain to me because you don't relate. Every time I'm on the golf course, he's on the golf course, and he's mm-hmm. a head coach somewhere. 
So it was a, it, it, what 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 this uh, coach now is doing is he's changed the the perceptions. He's changed the outcome. The when dynamics. You walk, yeah, when mm-hmm. you walk into that um, stadium and that arena, you see ASU. You don't see anything else other than any other team, but you see ASU and you see that. Um, the the office the the locker rooms it's all ASU it's just different stuff so so the question is that's going to arise especially if they continue to win, or if they start losing is can a two quarterback system work I granted Michael so. Michael Eubank he threw five times but he ran 51 yards he had seven rushes 51 yards so you have a a Tim Tebow kind of situation here it's different but it's the same you have you have a wildcat guy and you have a pure quarterback Taylor Kelly studly. You know, and this, these guys are just, I mean, Cameron Marshall, healthy, mm-hmm. he's, he can be one of the best running backs in college football. If he stays healthy, uh, he's not great out of the backfield. Uh, I mean, he's not great catching the ball out of the backfield, but he's a hard runner. He runs north-south, and I, I think that if he stays healthy, they can, who knows what's going to happen with Arizona State. You know, they were supposed to win four games in a row last year and maybe make the Pac-12 championship game. They end up losing all four games. Well, the head coach has those idiots off the team now. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. exactly. And yeah. if you've got a situational quarterback, if it works, it, you know, it can work. You've just got to know how to use it. Sure, but building camaraderie, building, building some sort of flow, some sort of gel. I remember that Ohio State did this for many, many years in the 90s where they had – they had the, and I mean, even LSU with Jordan Jefferson and Jarrett Lee. You put people in in different series. How can you build any sort of hearing two names, hearing two voices in, in the huddle, and and when you're lining up, how how can you build any gel that way? That's because these quarter, these head coaches lie to the parents. Say uh, you you get uh, three uh, blue chip high, high school players, and you say, oh yeah, you gonna play your first year. Well, that's playing your first year. When we are up and you come in, you so can it's do all politics. It's, it's all politics. not trying to win. It's trying to make you everybody happy. You politics and college football. Right. No, you don't need <laughs> really a quarterback system. You go into one quarterback and say, "This guy, everybody's going to get their time. Everybody, everyone's going to get their time." Or you can go transfer. But when they lie to these kids and say, "You come here, you're going to play right away," you don't know he's going to play right away. You don't know how he's going to adjust. You know, he's real good in high school. How he's going to adjust to college? How from college he's going to adjust to the pros? Right. Um, that's why you take these chances on drafting these guys in the first rounder, and you give them plenty of chances, and and you wonder what happened. Yeah. What, well, the system and the schemes, and you know, just the, having a two quarterback situation in, in college, that's one thing, but. I think if you go into it, the team can rally around one guy, and then they know you to back up when you come in, but you are actually pretty good back up. So now you can, okay, this guy in, let's rally around him, let's do what he, and he's commanded the huddle. Who's, whomever's in that huddle, you command the team. Yeah, I mean, and plus it, it kind of hedges your bet as well. If one of them gets hurt, you have another guy that knows the system that can just come in and, and not skip a beat. It's good to have a, a, a quarterback situation. It's good to have that. But yeah, then... Absolutely. Define it right away. Don't wait to the last minute until we about to play our first game. Yeah. So I mean, look on paper. You have a quarterback that's produced so far. Granted, not not the greatest of opponents. I mean, you still have to play the the big the big time boys in, in the Pac-12. Uh, you have Taylor Kelly, Cameron Marshall, and Chris Coyle had ten catches for 131 yards and two touches. And then the long his longest reception was 30 yards. So it wasn't like he had an 80 yard reception and then and then he caught a couple of dump downs. They have the trifecta in place as of right now which is huge in college football. You need a stud receiver, you need a stud running back, you need a stud quarterback to win. Real quick before we go, I know Cindy want to get to some baseball stuff or whatever she's done, but um, <laughs> that offense that offense that the Arizona State was running, it looked like Oregon's offense, but yeah. they just don't have the skill guys to right. do it. They don't like, have the explosion. Yeah, they don't have the explosion. That's yeah. what it is. They, skill, they do have skill guys, they don't have the explosion. Because Oregon is just... Uh, if, yeah. I can't believe they need to get... They need to just recruit all defensive players one year and they'd never be beat with that offense and actually having a defense. Then they'll beat teams like uh, USC and... Yeah. You know, Alabama. They, yeah, yeah mm. and Alabama. <laughs> okay, Steven Strasburg, well, shut down... 
Even more importantly than that, though, I think this high school football thing is a big deal. As long as we're talking football, we're talking local football. Um, Big deal going on with uh, Suaro and Tempe the other day. They had a um, Tempe forfeited the game with about a minute and 40 seconds to go to halftime. Um, Suaro had nine. 12 penalties, 12 personal foul penalties, nine personal fouls, three unsportsmanlike conducts. They had three helmet-to-helmets. They had a flagrant face mask. They had the ambulance in twice to bring people off. There were four concussions. Wow. Um, what did I miss? And the news? <laughs> they were taunting. There was, um, and this wasn't even one of the realigned games. Arizona has changed their system um, it used to be they played by size. They were aligned by size, and they played teams that were with comparative size. Now they've done it by location. This wasn't even one of those games. Um, but Tempe walked off the field and said, we're not that we're done. We're not doing this anymore. Yeah. Was that a, like an intention? They had yes. an intention. You had all that stuff well, going that's on. Well, the, that's the part that's that's nobody's quite sure of yet. It's being looked into by the AIA. So Tempe High School, as Cindy mentioned, had 12 penalties, penalties 82 yards. Saguaro, 14 penalties, 123 yards in the first half. Yeah. Two guys carted off from Tempe like in ambulances. And yet, when they look at the films, a lot of the people are saying it was just tough football. You know, there, there a were a few, were... yeah, there were a couple hits that maybe were questionable. So, who was it? The coaches? They said, uh, enough is enough. I'm not getting my players hurt for this. No, Tempe's coaches mm-hmm. said, we're not bringing them back on the field. Yeah, I mean, that's, and this is, it begs the question how much does NFL football have to do with what's going on in high school? And we've talked about this before. Too much. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, but it, but it's the nature of the beast, isn't it? I mean, this, it, there's no way that football can be looked at as, you know, cricket what or field you? hockey or anything other than football. It is a brutally violent game and played by big men who, you know, this is just, they, you knew what you were getting into when you signed up for it. Yeah, my, my son In the football. NFL level. I, in the I, NFL I, level. I wish he wouldn't play football. I wish he wouldn't play football because of the, the violence of football. Football is supposed to be physical. That's why we watch it. But you have to be smart to play football. You can eliminate a lot of big hits if you know where you are. Uh, but there's not a lot of smart guys on the field at one time. When you've got to know how to control the game, too, right. from the coach's right. level and the, and uh, the refs. Well, sure, I mean, yeah. but there's only so much control you have in, in high school football. I mean, you can you can teach these kids things. You can do. I mean, I, I've never played football nor coached it. But well, it's the thing when the quarterback was taken off in an ambulance that started everybody getting rallied up and going even harder yet. Right. Yeah. Before we get out of here, I do want to say just remembrance of 9/11 and also thank you to all the military, the first responders, and everybody who keeps protecting and defending us on a daily basis. Okay. Well, said. well said. Well uh, said. I wish we had another hour. Maybe maybe sometime soon we will. Uh, we got to go. Kwame Lasseter, Deborah Debris, Cindy Liska, Alex Clancy. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in this week. Come back next Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, for another edition of Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network.